0: You know, uh, before our equip last week, as I was was praying, I found myself praying, God, open my eyes to see Jesus clearer. Open my ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and open my heart to receive. And I felt like there was something that was just that, God redirecting our focus back to Jesus and uh, hearing new wineskin for this season. Uh, and obviously, hearing that and uh, responding to that is is our heart. It, but anything like that comes in a context. At the beginning of the year, preparing for, praying for this coming year, Mary felt like uh, God had given her word that the... Uh, Spirit said, the foundation has been laid. Now it's time to build. She shared that with me, and I went, We haven't been building up to this point. But there was something of God saying that He's He's doing something beyond our expectation. And that us being on the, the same page. And then we come to the equip and there's this focus on a, a great reset, redirecting our focus back to Jesus. And I wanna encourage you, it's not just a meeting. It's what is the Spirit saying to the church? And do we have ears to hear? If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter three. Lord, thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you that you manifest your presence by your Spirit. You lead us into truth. Spirit, thank you that it's your desire to glorify Jesus. That's what Jesus said you do. Glorify him. So empower us. Open our eyes and our ears. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. The ninth hour. Did you know that there was an hour of prayer? I didn't know that. Fortunately, that we can pray any time now. We have access to the room of Grace. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Isn't that the state of the world? What are you going to do for me? And Peter said, silver and gold have, I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He leaped up, stood walking and entering the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All of a sudden his focus changed, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power, or godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified His servant, Jesus, who you delivered up and and denied in the presence of Pilate when you determined to let him go. go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and looked for a murder to be granted to you. Kill the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith that comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And then over in chapter 4, verse 10, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by whom this man stands here before you whole. Verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we may be saved. As I was reading this this week, it hit me. There's a faith that comes through him. The faith that comes through him. The word through there is through on account of or because of. There's a faith that comes on account of Jesus. There's a faith that comes because of Jesus. There's a faith that comes through him. Now, we know that. There's a faith comes through hearing him. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word is rhema. Faith comes by hearing him. It's not just hearing the word, it's hearing him. But faith also comes by seeing him. Hebrews 11, verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, talking about Moses, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. How do you see someone who's invisible? Chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes are looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. There is something of faith that comes through Jesus. The conclusion that I come to is this. Faith, There is a faith that is based on relationship. It's a result of relationship. The more we know him, the closer we are to him, the more faith we have. The more we hear him, the more we see him. The more we focus on him. Why? Because our faith is in him. And we see who he is. problem is that many of us have been taught differently. Many of you have been taught like I have that faith doesn't come through Jesus, it comes from us. We've been taught things like put your faith out for something. Flex your faith muscles. Step out in faith as opposed to step out in obedience. There's almost this thing that says faith comes from us, and then God responds to our faith, rather than faith comes through him, and we respond to him. See, what happens if we're not aware of that is that it creates a subtle shift of focus. There's a progression that can happen. tends to shift our eyes from Jesus to the things we want or are believing for. Just picture it. Instead of looking to Jesus, we start looking at the things that we're believing God for. If we continue in this, pretty soon we're not following Jesus. But we're expecting him to follow us. Jesus, heal this person. Jesus, provide for this need. Jesus, bless my ministry or bless my business. And pretty soon we have our focus on what we're wanting to see happen. We're expecting Jesus to get in line with us. Foundation's laid, it's time to build. We're getting serious. <laughs> you guys are very serious this morning. you look looking at me, you're like, what in the world is he saying? See, if we're not careful, that shift then means that Jesus becomes the means to my goals rather than the goal. He becomes the means to get what I want rather than the goal that I want. It's a subtle shift. So he becomes the means rather than the goal, the prize. As Moses said, our very great reward. When we see Jesus, something shifts and he becomes our goal. But we've been taught, no, it begins with us, and we get our focus on something else. Lord, I would love to buy this wonderful house. Now, God wants to bless us, but when that becomes our focus, Jesus becomes the means. Jesus becomes the means to what we want. It's a very subtle thing. A number of years ago, while in the States, I had a a dream of Tens of thousands of people getting saved in Launceston, God moving by his spirit, which he's saying is doing, and, uh, which is incredibly wonderful vision. But suddenly, I got to thinking, that's, that's great, as long as it happens through our church, See, what happens is it's easy even for the vision he gives us to become our focus and not him. And when that happens, then we feel like we have to make something happen. You still with me? I can't get my pages apart. What happens if we're not careful, Jesus becomes the means to my financial success and security. How many people are believing or hoping that he will provide so much for them that they never have to believe him for something again? (laughs) Oh, Lord, help me win the lottery because then I don't ever need you again. Not any of you, of course. Provide so much blessing that I don't need you anymore. Leo shared last week about how too often we do the things because Jesus is the means and we think if we do these, we'll get blessed. And it happens for many leaders. Their desire is, God, make my ministry grow and my church grow and give me fame and give me recognition. And when he does, they no longer need him because they got what they wanted. So what happens? They then turn away from him, and how many end up corrupt or falling in sin? But, guys, that applies to any of us. Lord, bless my business so I can be wealthy, and then once I'm wealthy, I don't need you anymore. Okay, now you're stepping on your toes, Russ. Or Jesus becomes the means to fulfill my dreams, my destiny. Jesus will give me the right spouse, or a comfortable lifestyle, or no bumps along the road of life. Jesus becomes the means. So that progresses. And so many believe in Jesus as long as he produces. Years ago, I was talking to a young couple. A guy said to me, I tried Jesus. It didn't work for me. And I went, Okay, tell me what it was that you tried. His belief was that Jesus would be the means to happiness and blessing and prosperity. And that didn't work. I tried that. It didn't work for me. As long as Jesus produces, I'll believe in him. I say believe, not follow, because they're not following Jesus anyway. They're trying to get Jesus to follow him. Someone said to me once, he didn't multiply my investments, so I don't believe in him anymore. See, the subtle shift that Jesus becomes the means, and I'll believe in him as long as he produces. And then all that leads to me telling Jesus what he should do. Prayer becomes me telling Jesus what he should do in this situation, rather than me fixing our eyes on him and saying, what do you wanna do? He becomes the means. So last week, Leo sharing with us talks about a great reset. We can hear that as a message and say, wonderful. Let's go back to what we're doing. Or we can say, Lord, what does that mean? Has the vision that he's given you become your focus rather than him? Has the blessing that he's poured out in your life become the focus more than him? as he slipped into the place of being a means to accomplish your goals. The great reset is the Holy Spirit saying, calling my church to fall in love again with the bridegroom. Talk about life to dry bones. It doesn't come because you found a better church. It comes because you've reconnected with Jesus. thing is, everything comes from focus on him. Even faith. Faith that comes through him. We're going to, worship team's going to come. Very quick. You're gonna say what? We're gonna spend some time. We're gonna sing, turn your eyes on Jesus. And I want you to stay seated if you would, as we sing this, because I want you to just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you as something else become your focus. Your need for Him to touch you. Has that become your focus? See, sometimes it's good things. I see a need in people, and I want to meet that need, and I say, Jesus, come and do something. Meet this need, and that becomes my focus. And the danger is, if he doesn't do it how I think he should, I get hurt or disappointed. Or I get my eyes off of Jesus onto people How many of you know any perfect people? Just my husband. (laughs) Contrary to what some wives believe, there's none. So when we get our eyes on people, we get hurt and disappointed. And then we say, I don't believe in Jesus anymore because these people hurt me. I found myself in Ministering, we spent a season traveling in a lot of different churches and people would often tell me how they've been hurt by the church. And I finally began to say, you know, I apologize for hurting you. I'm part of the church. I said, no, it wasn't you. I said, well, was it Jesus? No, it wasn't Jesus. It was people. Unfortunately, By definition, the church is people.